Hi everybody, it's Stephanie Burridge here, back with another podcast on dance for the month and some great things we've seen this month. And then today I'm with Susan, who's going to introduce herself. Uh, my name is Susan Settler and I've been here before for the podcast. And frankly, I am a dance artist living here in Singapore now for a little over one and a half years. And I'm currently working as a full-time lecturer at LaSalle College of the Arts. Right. Now, today we're particularly going to look at um, Cloudgate 2, dance company that we've both seen, and they're a remarkable company. And of course, Lin Huamin is the artistic director of Cloudgate 1 and is known for developing a particular aesthetic, which is based on Asian traditions of Tai Chi combined with um, influences from Beijing opera and has done some extraordinary choreographic work. As we all know, they've been to Singapore many times. But this was the first visit by Cloudgate 2. And so we're looking at a company of young dancers, of emerging choreographers. And Susan, what did you think of the show? Well, I really enjoyed the show, particularly their dancing in particular. Um, um, my base is that of Martha Graham, who is um, mother of modern dance. It comes from a, a kind of root that is about uh, the breath um, and dealing with this thing called contraction release. And again, it's, it's how our body almost goes into the shaping, say, for instance, when you laugh or when you cry. So it comes from this rooted nature uh, of the pelvis, the spine, etc. Strangely enough, I saw a lot of it in them. I saw a root of that within them. And Cloudgate has had that root in their past. Plus, I saw a lot of ballet references. So a lot of release-based technique references, which again, if, for those of you who aren't really um, aware of release-basing techniques, they come from a kind of sense of you're looking for efficiency of movement, specificity of where it comes from, the particular area, a lot of joint uh, work, and then directionality. So they were using that too as well. And I saw some Tai Chi. So I saw this mix of a kind of combination, but beautifully, fluidly flow into their body. Yes, I think that the first piece in particular called Wicked Fish yeah. really brought this poetics to um, into play where there were almost choirs of dancers that kept moving and shifting Agreed. with such fluidity. Complete continuous movement. However, frankly, choreographically for me, I thought that one was a bit lacking but again, the the specificity, the technicality of the body was really quite beautiful in that. Yeah, and I, I think also for young dancers, this idea of moving together in a what I think is quite a democratic process where mm. everybody's mm. involved, everybody is working towards a common purpose, like, like the fish uh, metaphor that they're using. Yeah. I think School. that that was a, a very nice work for young dancers. Mm -hmm. So as you say, mm -hmm. I mean, it had high and low points. Yeah, I think one of the lowest points for me in particular was that it would have been interesting to allow a little bit more space in it. Um, uh, also to the choice of sound, because basically the sound I felt was a bit overpowering. It dominated the work and so didn't leave enough space to really consider the movement and the texture of the movement that was happening on stage. But once again, the dancing was quite beautiful. And I, I was interested also, too, in their use of partnering because it didn't feel 
like it was an exploratory uh, kind of it, it felt it felt more formalized um, partnering rather than say for instance a more creative use that would be explored with contact improvisation. Yes, I think this is something that we see with working with young dancers that in a way it becomes quite tight and it mm. needs to be Overly. probably because Overly. of the discipline involved in. And getting them to progress to the point where you you risk, you allow them to have Mm. more Mm. individuality and more Mm. voice. So I think particularly in um, this program, to me it was very tight, very controlled, very disciplined, and it would have been like to see a little bit more individuality. Absolutely. And it it is tricky. It is tricky. And I know having taught for many, many years and I... um, began my major teaching at a place called Laban in London that now is called Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance. But in uh, 1999, a woman by the name of Joe Clark and Kirstie Alexander, we were changing the BA at that time for to allow to have more practice in it. And we were looking for more somatic base. A somatic basically refers to the body. It's coming from the body. So instead of approaching something from form, you're going internally in the body to perhaps arrive at form. And you do arrive at form. But it's it's looking at it from inwards instead of outwards. And I think this is incredibly necessary at this time. And it's been going on. It's been taking a prevalence. Um, and it allows, I believe, um, the dancers themselves in their growth to have more authorship and to acquire more of a sense of personal creativity. Yeah, I think that's important. And and as we go through the CloudGate 2 program into the next couple of pieces, uh, I was aware of what I'd almost call a maelstrom of movement was going mm. to some sort of vortex, which was just so fast and so thrashing around that these sorts of things, which I must say you see a lot, of the, and the young ones love to move fast, of course, but mm. it doesn't um, allow for a deeper reflective practice somehow. So I think it needs, as choreographers, I think we need to be aware of this sort of um, complexity and layering of work rather than just flat out going for it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, strangely enough, it was funny um, in the second work. Uh, the second piece was called The Wall? Yes, by Cheng Sing Lung. And... In the second work, I had this kind of inkling, or I had this um, return to the Graham technique. Um, I don't know if if anyone has ever seen Martha Graham did these works in the early 30s. Uh, one in particular, Primitive Mysteries, another one in particular, um, Celebration, and another one in particular... Um, Steps in the Street. Steps in the Street, thank you very much, from um, Chronicle. And I saw it. I saw it. I was reliving it as because in Primitive Mysteries, it, it begins with these walks, particularly these kind of contracted walks that are more caught. They're more held than what I saw uh, the Cloudgate 2 do. But um, you could hear the sound, which you could hear the sound of the footsteps. Uh, they were almost embracing the space. They were in, they were locating the space. They were carving through the space as you do in Primitive Mysteries. And basically, I think a thing that was very similar to the work of Martha Graham of Primitive Mysteries and The Wall is the sense of architecture of the space. They carve the space in such a way that the bodies become other, that they become almost an architectural theme instead of uh, a person, a bodily theme. It was odd for me. I felt like I was thrown back into the 30s, but revisited with a different kind of take. 
Yeah, quite I think this idea of revisiting work, it's, uh, it is interesting how choreographers approach ideas and, and how over time there are repetitions and there are Absolutely. like the running, the walking, the, the groups forming and reforming and there's sort of a distillation of movement as the piece progresses. And I think moving on to the last piece in the program called Beckoning, also by Chen Sung Lung, artistic director, but also the choreographer of The Wall, this seemed to be a, a quite a, a different sort of work. It, it was much more complex. It developed better. It, it began with a solo and then evolved into a larger piece. Even tonally, the colours of the costumes, mm. these pastel colours gave it a softness. Mm. And the movement of the dancers is quite exquisite. I mean, a lot of movement involving flexed feet, flexed arms and evolving and devolving through the body in a way that I thought was quite different. It created pathways, it created different architectures of the mm -hmm. space, as we were mm -hmm. saying before. So what, what are your thoughts on that oh, one? I truly enjoyed this. Um, I loved the opening of the back of the solo artist. I didn't quite understand the transitional moment of shift, but the work of the majority as it as it evolved was stunning. Costumes, I may add, I adored. Mm. Um, it almost looked like a Miyaki reference. It was just absolutely fluid and flowing and gave um, a, a different kind of poetics to the movement themselves. And, you know, from my Can aunt, I just pick up on that? Because mm. I think costumes is something that it's so beautiful to see a costume that is actually designed and mm. created and thought through, not just go and see what we've got in the cupboard and bring some shorts and a top. Mm. But this idea of the design actually works with the choreography in partnership. And yeah. I think that's I, I agree with that. I, again, I don't mind jeans and T-shirt either. I'm a very postmodernist myself. But um, if it's not in sync with what you're doing conceptually, have a think. Have a think with what you're doing. And uh, this piece, without a doubt, those costumes were – in fact, it drew me in. And when I saw it on the flyer, I was drawn in because of that image, frankly. But um, talking about sound, reflecting once again on sound, this sound – was amazing. It had such a palette of different kind of, I don't know, if I may say oriental instruments that were, had these particular voices and particular tones, gave a lot, a lot of space to the dancer. So there was a lot more kind of almost silence and empty space that I felt allowed for more conversation instead of overpowering them. Yes, the I think pieces. for me a, a big part of this work was it had a, quite a lot of ambiguity you, yes. in mood and shift and uh, within people too. Mm, so mm, the, the, there was some sort of sense of transformation for the dancers and for the group. So it mm. went from the individual to the group in a mm. transformative way where they would shift and change, but then there was some solidity of being back to where you were, which was designated by the costume as well. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And um, I felt, I felt as though, I mean, it, from a from a person a night who's looking at it completely new, it felt as though perhaps the choreographer had played more improvisationally with the dancers to acquire um, more possibilities of vocabulary. Uh, whereas in the other piece that he choreographed, uh, The Wall, it felt it was more imposed, it was more of a set script, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think that there were many tones and uh, colours within this last piece, mm -hmm. um, from costume to music to choreography to dances Absolutely. to expression to, to voice where they came through. 
So I think that all in all, it was a very invigorating program for me. I think to see young dancers with such、um, special talents and such、um, potential to let's see more of them. I think it was wonderful to see them. Absolutely, absolutely, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So in terms of、um, of how this might impact locally, I I took myself off to see Leap, which is the Pulse program of Frontier Dance Land, which is a An initiative they have a scholarship program for young talented dancers in Singapore, and the Cloudgate two age group would be higher, but maybe at the top top end of Pulse and the lower end of Cloudgate there would be some dancers around the same age. So it's interesting to look at what their focus is, what they're training, and I was interested. We were talking about music because. I think that something that I really was struck by in the Leap program was the use of classical music, which you rarely see with young people. And、mm. and one of the pieces was really extraordinary. It was choreographed to、um, Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, and it was called、uh, Lost World by Adeline Stanley. Adeline's been in London for a while training, and she's just come back to Singapore, and she's just dancing with Frontier. And she did a very beautiful piece. It was very tight and very.、Um, Very clear use of the music, but again shifting the the group around. I know you didn't see it, but、mm-hmm. I was interested to see the the discipline of that piece and the training of dancers as well, and and a choice of a young choreographer to use classical music, which they rarely do. And also in that program, there were another couple of other classical pieces、uh, to Mozart、uh, cello concerto, and、uh, so I think this is interesting for the young dancers. Well, moreover,、um, I, I don't know.、Uh, when I'm teaching choreography, I encourage the students to listen to all types of sounds and to really listen. I encourage them to investigate, close their eyes whilst they're listening, and whatever images or maybe movements or ideas, textures, whatever, come up to jot those down and keep kind of a log of them. I think it's great that they were using classical music, but a lot of times too, that can become a default mode as well.、Um, so. With the possibilities of sound here, and also too, technologically, how they can get to sounds now,、uh, be that Spotify or whatever, they need to put some work into it. On the other hand, too, as they're using these things to really find out, maybe investigate a little bit more in depth of that particular type of style or that particular or other musicians in reference to. Um, who are who are working in parallel? Yeah, I think this is a very good point to bring up because you talked about music with the Cloudgate production, and it's something we don't talk a lot about music for dance anymore. And one of the questions that young choreographers always ask is, did the music come first or the the choreography?、Mm-hmm. Experienced choreographers would usually say the choreography always、mm-hmm. comes first. But、uh, so here we have a、uh, two different approaches to music. I think like one is very literal and very set and very clear where it's going, whereas some Some of the other、um, movement pieces, really, the music's just going along in its own path, a bit like Cunningham and Cage,、mm-hmm. going on its own track. So、mm-hmm. it's interesting how young dancers respond to this musicality and how they find a way、mm-hmm. to work together and to work with the music.、Yeah. It's very important. What and again, whatever it be, if it's a particular score or if it's sounds or whatever, there, no matter what, they are dealing with time, and time is rhythm. Or time can be a particular kind of musicality, but you have to deal with it. There's no sense or buts about it. So I think it's something that you cannot get rid of when you're thinking choreographically. 
Yes, for sure. I think it's very positive in Singapore that there are these choreographic platforms where you can have quite a lot of diversity within the program. And, and what was good about the LEAP program is that the Frontier Danceland professional company choreographed all the works. So mm. I think about six different works. And mm. they really went in quite different directions oh, while good. the dancers were obviously trained in contemporary um, styles and were quite disciplined, but they they really um, they, it was quite an open platform for them, which I thought was very positive. Super, super. Yeah. No, um, for me, I think it's incredibly important getting back to this whole sense of working internally, etc. But also, moreover, is to encourage a kind of play of creativity, a kind of joy of curiosity. Um, and how we can stretch that, because I think through doing that will allow um, more abundance of choreography, of a creative palette, to have a differentiation of things that we see. I mean, just the other day, um, and I led um, this kind of Q&A, which was led in a, a style of Liz Lehrman, who has a particular kind of critical process um, that was done for Hatch, uh, which is one that was brought up by Dance Nucleus. And I was thrilled that there were three pieces brought up um, that were completely different mm -hmm. in their style, in their ideas choreographically, and in their concepts. And um, and that that I find fantastic. Yeah, I think that's really important. We talked a bit about this, I think, the last couple of podcasts as well, that this idea of eclecticism, of, of open field for whatever people want to offer, whatever their ideas, whatever their background, whatever their training, um, the spectrum from dance theatre through to more technical dance-based works and everything in between. So I think it's mm. a very positive direction at the moment and I was, um, I was really... I thought the LEAP program was a big step forward for Frontier Danceland, actually, which uh, it had a lot more depth, I thought, than previous ones that mm. I've seen. And great to see so many young up-and-coming dancers. I think in training dancers or, or just even uh, the sense of the community of dance, be that wherever, wherever we're talking globally, I think it's crucial to allow space for creativity because you don't want anything to settle. You don't want to go on recipe. You don't want to go on default mode. You want to constantly find new and, and discover, and not that you're creating the wheel, but to continuously open this curiosity of self, of your surroundings. I just went to see uh, a visual art lecture today. And frankly, that was what the artist was talking about, is this constant sense of almost this nomadicism of being open to, to new and to really reflecting on that. And I'm talking about seeing um, through the body, through the eyes, a, a kind of, of multi-sensorial seeing. Yes, I think this is very important. And, and I'll never... I always remember when I arrived in London to dance and I come from Tasmania, which is a very small place. I think when I grew up, it had 250,000 people and I arrived in London and the, the day one of the dance program at the Laban Centre, actually, mm -hmm. we were taken to the art gallery. And to me, that put a stamp on what the course was about. It was about opening your eyes, not just us in our studio. We, we had to go to see art. We had to go to concerts. We had to go and see all of these things. Absolutely. And I think it had an enormous impact impact 
certainly on on what I did, but also what I I think for any artist yes. to go cross disciplinary, have a look interdisciplinary, and that's why I've got the little bit about the costume and the music because yeah. I think they're yeah. important to make it the core yeah, of what you're is. doing, not a side issue that you and choreograph and you stick something on later. So and then furthermore, your space because again, if you if you're working in in a proscenium stage or you're working in a gallery space or you're working in a site specific space or you're shifting a piece to another incredibly important to consider all those kind of things and going back to what you said too it's it's the nature of going out of your practice to understand your practice and the more we can encourage that with once again not only um in the specific institutions but in the community as a whole and i'm talking the global community as a whole um the better the work will be Yes, and I think it's also equal valuing everything equally mm-hmm. so that you um, you are receptive to everything. You can be eclectic, you can um, be specific, and sometimes those things pull together in different ways, but it's always moving forward, creatively moving forward. Okay, so we're going to wrap up for today, and thanks, Susan, for coming, and it's just been wonderful to have a dialogue together about some of these things, and we'll do it again. And as we can see from these podcasts, there's so many points that arise, and we'll we'll go through and we'll tackle them as we go along, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>